I turn your attention this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 14 and verse 6. 1 Samuel chapter 14 and verse 6. Amen. So excited again for the opportunity to be in God's presence, be in God's house, to be able to come together with God's people. And I believe the Lord has a special word for each and every one of us. 1 Samuel 14 and verse 6, And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. You're referring to the Philistine army. It may be, it may be, that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. He can do either way. God can work with a whole bunch of folks or just a couple of people that will believe. And I'm struck by those three words, it may be. I want to talk today on this subject, the power of a possibility. The power of a possibility. Would you bow your heads and pray? Lord, we're thankful for your presence. Thankful for your anointing, your spirit that we feel in this house. And knowing our hearts and minds to receive your word. And we'll give you praise for all things in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. There are times in life when all you have is a possibility. You have no guarantee. In fact, you have a good chance of failure. And yet something drives you to take nothing else than a possibility and run with it. These stories inspire us. We read about people that are able to do things that are unimaginable, push their bodies and minds to limits that we did not even think were possible. And when we hear about these individuals, they intrigue us and they cause us to believe that anything is possible. I've always been amazed at, at seeing people that uh, have no legs able to sit in a chair and ski down a mountain and people that are blind uh, being able to navigate uh, what some would call extreme sports. There is a story of a man by the name of Bob Whelan that I want to show you a, a quick uh, video clip who did something that I'm sure many people thought was impossible. Bob Whelan. The year was 1969 when Bob Wieland, an all-star athlete from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, was drafted and sent to Vietnam. When Bob was given a choice of becoming a cook or a medic, he chose medic. Well, I'll tell you what happened. I ended up in the middle of the jungles of Vietnam, serving with 1st Platoon, Alpha Company, 2nd of the 14th Battalion, the 25th Infantry Division. And one day we were out on a search and destroy mission told to go into an enemy stronghold and turn the place into a parking lot. But to our surprise, it was our company that got ambushed and said, next thing I know, explosives are going off, men are getting killed, they're getting injured. What do you do? Bob Whelan ran up to assist my fallen comrades, and I'm doing that. I step on and detonate an 82-millimeter mortar on. When I hit that powerful, powerful booby trap, my legs went one way, they were blown off instantly, and my life went in another direction. 
Rushed to the hospital where he would lay unconscious for six days, Bob struggled to stay alive and rebuild his shattered life. Well, the doctors came to my bedside and they said, Bob, you're going to have to start a rehabilitation program. And I was a little insulted. They only brought a five-pound weight, but to my surprise, I was so weak. I could not even lift that five-pound weight. You know, that rehabilitation program was quite a journey. It, it certainly didn't start with the world record. It started with five pounds, but five pounds led to 10. 10 led to 15. 15 led to 20. A year later, after intensive rehabilitation, Bob moved to California, where he began lifting weights and competing against able-bodied athletes. I just was thinking one day, if I'm going to become a world champion, I better leave Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and head out to beautiful Southern California, where all the big power guys were training and I headed straight to Muscle Beach, California. It was a blast. But eight years later, it in fact came to pass and I did break the official world record in the bench press. I want to emphasize this was against able-bodied individuals at the United States Powerlifting Championships. I was actually uh, at a body weight of 122 pounds when I bench pressed 303 pounds and at that time it was 13 pounds over the official world record. When I did break the world record, unbeknownst to me, a little known rule uh, came out of the official uh, powerlifting handbook and it said that if a man enters competition, breaks a world record and he's not wearing shoes, he must be disqualified. Wouldn't you know it, that was the day I forgot to wear my shoes but i was never bitter about it i simply told the official the joy had been in the journey after earning a degree in physical education bob Wheeland was given an opportunity to become the strength and conditioning coach of the green bay packers a door opened up for me to uh, uh, join the staff of the green bay packers during the 1991 season it, it was just a great thrill for me not only to uh, uh, coach the guys and and, and helping them get bigger and stronger and faster, but, but, but just to be a motivational and an inspirational force uh, for them also, it, it was great. In 1982, while training on a track made out of rubberized material, Bob got the idea to walk across America on his arms, a feat that would take him almost four years to complete. I trained for 18 months and I felt compelled to announce the world I was gonna walk across America and of course, everybody started laughing at me, and they, they, they never thought I'd get out of Los Angeles. But three years, eight months, and six days later, the 2,784.1-tenth mile journey had been completed and took approximately 4,900,016 steps. Since then, he's biked across America and back, competed in numerous triathlons, and is the only double amputee to complete the rugged Ironman triathlon in Kona, Hawaii. I've always been kind of fascinated just to, to test my body, to see how far it can go, what it's capable of doing, expanding my vision through athletics. And it doesn't take much to get me going. I, I just enjoy uh, what sport is all about, and, and much like all the other athletes, just trying to, trying to uh, give it everything you have uh, to find out in there what you're all about. What began as a tragedy has turned into a triumph for Bob Wheeland as he uses his God-given talent to inspire others to never give up. My friend, uh, 
Lance McElhaney is here from uh, Indianapolis. Lance, would you stand? This is my friend Lance McElhaney, who we've been best friends since we were kids. In 2018, he rode his bicycle across the United States in 28 days from the Pacific Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean. I said, you know they've invented cars now. You can actually drive it in a car. We were talking about this the other night. There were 800 people that climbed Mount Everest in 2018, but there were only 200 people that rode their bikes across the United States. So in 2018, you had a 400% greater chance to climb Mount Everest than to ride your bike across the United States. Lance McElhaney was one of those 200. We're glad you're here today, Lance. You're an amazing person. It's amazing what people can do when they put their minds to it. And I'm sure that Bob Whelan had friends that said, you're going to walk across the United States on your hands? Have you lost your mind? But three years and eight months and six days later, he accomplished that, walking across the United States on his hands. I can just picture this scene that we read in the Bible where Jonathan explains to his armor bearer what they're going to do. We'll call the armor bearer Bob. Now, Bob, we're surrounded by the most fierce army in the world, and they have the high ground. But here's what we're going to do. You see that real sharp, straight-up cliff over there? Yeah, well, that's called Bozes. Yes, Prince Jonathan. And you see that other cliff over there that faces to the south? Yeah, that's called Sinim. One faces to the north, the Bible said. One was toward the south. He said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to use those cliffs, and we're going to climb up to the garrison of the Philistines. And he and the armor bearers stand there and look at these cliffs that go straight up. And at the top of the cliff is the most fierce army in the then known world. Oh, okay, so we're going to climb up under the cloak of darkness and we're going to surprise them in a, in a sneak attack? No, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go over there in the middle of the day and we're going to stand between these two cliffs and we're going to yell up to the Philistines and say, Hey, what are you guys doing up there? We're, we're going to do what? We're going to go stand and yell? Yeah, we're going to go stand over there and we're going to let them know. We're going to make ourselves known to them. Exactly what the wording of the Bible is. Okay, and so uh, we're going to make ourselves known to them. Yeah, and here's what happens. If they say, you guys stay down there and we'll come to you, then we'll just stand still. But if they say, come up to us, then we will know that God is with us. And who knows if maybe God will give us the victory. Can you picture this armor bearer looking at Jonathan who has this wild idea that appears to be a suicide mission? And yet he is so loyal. He says, okay, whatever you say, Jonathan. Well, all we've got is a maybe. But they go out there and they stand in the middle of these two cliffs. They look up at this Philistine army. Here's these guys, these 
buried general SEAL Team 6 looking guys, the Philistine army, warriors, and they're all up there. The Israeli army under King Saul, they're scared to death. They're hiding in caves. The Bible says their knees are knocking together. They're already defeated in their mind. And the Philistine army is all up there without number. There's so many of them. And Jonathan and his armor bearer go over there and stand between these two cliffs. And they go, hey! Hey, you guys! Can you see us? And these soldiers, in my mind, I picture this scene. These, these Philistine soldiers are down there looking at them. And the Bible says that they say, it looks like the Hebrews, at least two of them, are not hiding in their holes anymore. There's two guys down there. Yeah, we see you. Why don't you guys come up here? We'll show you a thing or two. Jonathan looks at his armor bearer. Did you hear that? They said to come up. You know what that means, don't you? We have to go up there. And the Bible says that they climb up these cliffs on their hands and their knees. It is so steep, you can't even just walk up it. And here, waiting for them, you know they had to be making fun of them. They had to be yelling at them, probably throwing things at them. Yeah, come on, you guys are almost here. Keep going. This is going to be fun, Jim. Wait, we're going to have some fun today. Here comes a couple of guys. They must have lost their way. Yeah, keep coming. We're waiting on you. And guess what happens? They get to the top. And I don't know if they develop some sort of strategy on their way up. But they decide they're going to fight back to back. And before the Philistines knew what hit them, they're involved in a hand-to-hand combat with these two guys. And there's 20 Philistines, the most elite soldiers of the day. And there's 20 Philistines laying slain all around them. And then, all of a sudden, there's an earthquake. There's a rumbling. And the Philistines start turning on each other. They start killing each other. There's a war going on, and it's the Philistines against the Philistines. Don't you know that God knows how to confuse your enemy? The Bible says that no weapon formed against you will prosper. And some people say, I'm not stepping out, boy, until I know for sure I'm going to have a victory. Well, guess what? You may never have the absolute confidence. You may never have the guarantee of a victory. All you may have is a maybe or a possibility. But if you believe that it's possible, that's all God needs is two or three people that will say anything is possible with my God. Now here's what I believe as we look at this story and we apply it to our lives today in 2020. There are times when in our humanity, stories of individuals that we started out today talking about, of people that discipline themselves and can accomplish great feats. There are times whenever people with nothing more than a possibility 
Say, I'm going to push myself. I'm going to stretch. I'm going to do what I can to accomplish these goals. Ladies and gentlemen, if people are able to do that with the frailty of this flesh, how much more so should you and I have the confidence that our God, who has all power and all authority, heaven is His throne and earth is His footstool. You say, but will God do it? He may. He may not. But He may. And He's God. You mix your possibility with the power of God, and guess what happens? You get a miraculous act because God doesn't need much from us. All He needs is somebody to say, it may happen. The Bible says that Song, his group, they, I guess they must come out from their cave they were hiding in. They hear all this commotion going on up there. They're like, what's going on up there? It looks like there's a fight. There's a skirmish. People are fighting. What's, bodies are being thrown over the cliff. What's happening here? He says, go and take a, a survey and see who's missing. And, and they're like, you know, okay, they're going in different caves, you know. Is everybody here? Who are you? And so they go all the way around. And they're counting all the soldiers. They're counting all the people. And finally they go, yes, there's two people missing. Who? Your son, Jonathan, and his armor bearer. you got to be kidding me. My son, Jonathan, and his armor bearer are missing. And somebody said they heard him over there between them two cliffs hollering at the Philistines. So guess what Saul does? He goes and gets the Ark of the Covenant, the magic box. The children of Israel weren't where they were supposed to be spiritually, but they thought they could just snap their fingers and make God move on their behalf by bringing the Ark of the Covenant out. They tried that before. The Philistines stole the whole box. But when they put it before their god, Dagon, who was a false god, who was half fish and half man, you know what happened? The, the idol, the false god, fell on his face before the Ark of the Covenant. You know what? God does not even need any humanity to have a victory. He can have it all by himself. You say, I don't know if I believe in God. Well, guess what, honey? He's God whether you believe in Him or not. He doesn't need you to believe in Him for Him to be God. He's God all by Himself. They get out there and they bring the box out there and Saul gets the priest over there and he's got his hands up and he's saying, all right, pray, you know. We got the Ark of the Covenant, pray. And he's extending the hand. And while they're trying to have their little makeshift church service, it's getting louder and louder up there. I mean, there's swords and, and shields and clashing and thousands of people in this government. And it finally gets so loud, they can't even have their church service. Finally, Saul has to turn to the priest and say, withdraw your hand. Just stop what you're doing. It's not working. They're getting louder. Guess what? While they're trying to have a little church service, God's already given them the victory. I got news for you. Some of y'all been praying for some things and God said, hey, your answer's already at the door. I'm already working a miracle. Come on, it's time to get up on your feet and claim your victory. You've been praying, you've been crying, you've been fasting, but the victory is at the door. I challenge you in the Holy Ghost, 
You ought to take authority today and say, I claim my victory. I claim my healing. We don't know, but it may be that God will work today. You say, how do we know God's going to heal me? I've been prayed for before and nothing happened. Well, guess what? Get prayed for one more time because it may be. Come on, somebody's going to turn their maybe into a miracle today. Somebody's going to turn a possibility into uh, the possible with God. You can get the power of God mixed with your possibility. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Anything is possible. You know, all that church in the book of Acts, they were all gathered together having a prayer meeting. Oh, God, please deliver Peter from prison. We need Peter. He's our chief spokesman. He's the one. We need him. You said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. Peter, where's Peter? He's in prison. Herod's going to cut his head off. We need, we need a revival. We need a miracle. Oh, God, deliver Peter. Peter's standing at the door. Hello? Can somebody let me in? He's ringing the little doorbell. Dorcas, one of the young people, they got a phone. They see on the ring doorbell, there's somebody at the door. Go check that out, Dorcas, see who that is. Oh, I don't know. It appears to be a ghost. These people are praying, and God's already heard their prayer, answered their prayer, delivered Peter. And Peter is standing at the door knocking. I wish you could see in the spirit world what you've been praying for has already happened. You may not see the results of it yet. The doctors may not have confirmed it yet. But God has already confused the enemy. I would to God you claim your healing today. I declare healing. I declare that cancer will not destroy this body. I take authority in the name of Jesus. Sister Graber, sit down, Kevin, so we can see Sister Graber. (laughs) Oh, she's over here. (laughs) I'm so glad you're here, Sister Graber. I declare that cancer is not going to kill you. You're going to be healed. You're going to live. It may be that God will do something. It may be that God will save your family. It may be that God will deliver you. It may be that God will save you. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. If you need a healing in your body right now, would you stand to your feet? All over this place. If you need a healing in your body right now, would you stand to your feet? 
I feel faith rolling in here like a tidal wave. I wonder if you'd lift up your hands right now with your voice. Would you just say, I declare my healing in the name of Jesus Christ. God confused this army that's marching against me. If the cells are trying to align themselves to destroy this body, I'm asking you to confuse the enemy, confuse the disease, confuse the cancer. I want to pray one more prayer that I feel in the Holy Ghost. I come against the spirit of fear, the fear of infirmity, the fear of depression, the fear of a stroke, the fear. I come against the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus Christ. You are able, God. You have all power. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, when it was all said and done, the whole Philistine army, they all, the ones that could still run, they all ran in retreat. The Hebrew nation never had to do anything other than just go up there and claim victory. Because two guys said, it may be. It may be. It may be. What if we go and nothing happens? What if it does? What if I pray and nothing happens? What if you do and it does? What if I step out and claim my miracle and it does not work? I ask you today, what have you lost? But what if it works? What do you got to lose? Oh, you say, I don't know whether or not this is going to work. Well, guess what? You don't have to have it all figured out. All you got to do is say, my God is able. You may need a guarantee with a man, but with God, all you need is a possibility. All you need is that it may happen. Hey, you three Hebrew children. Are you sure you want to do this? That fire is really hot. Are you sure your God will deliver you? No. But here's what we are sure of. He's able. <laughs> well, that's great. But do you know whether or not he's going to utilize all of his power on your behalf in this situation? No. Nope. We got no guarantees. But here's what we know. We're not going to bow down, and our God is able. (laughs) 
I'm going to tell you what. Here's the only thing you got to be sure of today. Number one, I'm going to keep on serving God whether I'm healed or not. I'm going to keep on serving God whether I'm delivered or not. But here's one thing I know. My God is able. He's got all power in heaven above and in earth beneath. Jonah was the most successful, unwilling preacher that's ever lived. He didn't have a passion for Nineveh. He didn't have a desire for souls to be saved. In fact, he was hoping they'd all burn up in judgment. He was the original fire and brimstone preacher. God said, go to Nineveh. He's like, I don't think so. I'm going to go on a cruise. Went down to Tarsus, got on a ship, got out there and got in a storm. He goes, I'm the problem. They said, well, thanks for identifying yourself. We're just going to go ahead and throw you over in the middle of this storm. But the world will get rid of you quick, won't they? We have identified the problem. We got a backslidden preacher on the run. Throw him over in the water. The Bible says the Lord prepared a great fish. Big old fish comes up and says, swallows him up. He's down in the belly of this whale. Got seaweed wrapped around his head. Been slimed with all the gastric juices of a giant fish. Not a pretty situation. Some of y'all think you got problems. How do you like to live in a giant fish for three days? Jonah cries out. God hears him. Oh, don't you know God can hear you from any situation you're in? And the fish gets indigestion. I done ate something that messed up my stomach. Some of y'all worried about the devil. The devil can't handle y'all. He tries to take you out and get sick to his stomach. I thought I could steal her joy. I thought I could take his faith. I thought I could wipe him out. But all the hell's been miserable. So guess what? They want to spit you out. They got to get rid of you. You're too hot to handle. You've got too much Holy Ghost. You've been to the fire. You've been under the supernatural. You've been touched by his anointing. Hell can't hold you up. Jonah comes out, walks around, says, anybody know which way Nineveh is? It's that way. He goes to Nineveh, goes up down the street. 40 days, this place is going to be destroyed. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, he's not even motivated. He's just doing it to be obedient. He's got no desire. He's got no passion. He just figures he's going through the motions. But ladies and gentlemen, God don't need a whole lot from us. Sometimes all he needs is just obedience. You don't even have to have your heart in it. 
If you just obey, God can do the rest. Forty days, forty days, forty days, forty days. And you're going to be destroyed by fire. Fire, 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 fire. Fire! Jonah 3, 4, and Jonah began to enter into the city of day's journey. He cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people in Nineveh believed God. Did you hear that guy on the street? Yeah, who is he? I don't know. I haven't seen him around here. He said the place is going to be destroyed in 40 days by fire. Are you serious? 40 days? Nineveh? Capital of Syria. Are you kidding? No. And the people started believing, and they proclaimed a fast, and they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. The word came into the king of Nineveh. The king, the king. This is the most wicked place. God said, I'm going to destroy the place like Sodom. This is a wicked city. That means they got a wicked king. The word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid his robe from him and covered with sackcloth and sat in ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout all of Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink. They put all the animals on a fast. Nobody in Nineveh can eat. And not only that, all the livestock's got a fast. Now you think about this. Them putting the livestock on a fast meant that they may lose their possessions. They measured wealth back there by the livestock. It's possible they're going to lose the farm. Because old Betsy over there, who's not doing too good anyhow, is now not eating or drinking. Now, why are we doing all of this, King? We're going to cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Has you been given some secret message? Do you know? No. But here's what we have. Verse 9. Who can tell? You mean we're doing all this and we don't know if it's going to work? That's right. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from His fierce anger and we perish not? You mean there's a possibility we're going to do all of this and it's not going to work? There sure is. But guess what? There's also another possibility. You mean you apostolic Pentecostals are going to pray and believe that God can do some kind of supernatural work and heal you and deliver you? Yep. What if it doesn't work? Then we'll pray again. What if it doesn't work? Then we'll pray again. Because who can tell? Who can tell? You said, I've been prayed for before. I've been to the altar before. I've asked God to deliver me before. Well, guess what? Keep on doing it. Because it's possible. It may not be practical and it may not even be probable. But if it's just possible, that's enough. That's all God needs is just for you to believe that it's possible. If he can use a heathen king, who can tell? Jonah may be a lunatic. He may be somebody that just blew in with the wind and we don't know where he came from. He may have scrambled eggs and mixed marbles and we don't know. If the guy's got all of his senses, 
Oh, King, are you sure you want to do this? You're basing all this on that guy down there? I don't even think he believes the message. I've seen him. He talks to himself. He talks about being eaten by a big fish. He's got issues. I don't think he's in his right mind. He may be right, but it's possible. If a heathen king can move on just a possibility, what more should you and I do that have been baptized in his name? Filled with his spirit? We've got the word of God that says I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. I know the enemy may be surrounding you, but I've come to remind you it's very possible that God's going to do something supernatural. And I challenge you in your faith, if you've just got a possibility, it's enough. You know what happened? God heard their prayer. Because who can tell? It may be. We got no guarantee, but what if he does? Even against the will of Jonah. Jonah got so upset, he went out there and sat outside the city Got ready to watch the fireworks. No, I've heard their cry. I'm not going to destroy them. Thanks a lot. Then he starts complaining about his little juniper tree drying up. What about this gourd over here? Now all of a sudden, I'm not in the shade anymore. But Jonah, a city was saved on a possibility. Do you realize it was your preaching? I didn't even want to preach. I didn't even want to declare it. He was reluctant. But yet he was the vessel that God used. Some of you, the enemy talks you out of it because he says you're not a great man of faith. You're not a great lady of faith. I know when you doubted. I know when you didn't believe. I know the mistakes you made. I know the stop sign you ran. I got a letter in the mail today, not today, a couple days ago, this week, from a boy that used to attend this church years ago. His family moved. They were in the military and moved. I got a letter in the mail from him. I think he's out in California somewhere now. And in the letter, he has a little note that he wrote. And he said, when I was a boy and I was in the church, He said, I stole $4 out of the offering. He said, the Lord's never let me get over it. So here's your $4 back plus $5 interest. There were nine, a $5 bill and four $1 bills in the envelope with the letter. Been years since he's been here. All God needs is a little bit to work with. Is God going to deliver me? He may. Is God going to forgive me? He may. 
The question is, what are we going to do with the possibility? Four lepers sit on the outskirts of the city of Samaria, starving to death. Outcasts because of the contagious nature of their disease. Appendages, digits disappearing. Toes, fingers. Leprosy eroding away their body. The city of Samaria is under siege by the Syrian army. There's a blockade. No food's coming in. People in the city are starving to death. They're eating pigeon dung. I'm going to tell you something. You've got to be hungry to eat a pigeon dropping. If you get hungry enough, I guess you can eat pigeon dung. I've never been to that place yet. But that's what the Bible says. They're bitten over it. That's how bad all Samaria was. And these guys are on the outskirts of Samaria. And these four lepers say, now let's consider our options. Option number one. We can go into Samaria. But they're starving to death in Samaria. So why go there? You know, it's the weakest that's going to die first in Samaria. And we're not exactly going to be able to fight for food in there. They're all starving to death. If we go to Samaria, we're going to die. Or we can sit here. And we're going to die doing that. Option number three. We can go to the Syrian army. They'll probably kill us. But they may not. They may not. All right, Jed, now let me see if I'm following your logic on this. We can barely walk, and we're going to go attack the Syrian army. What do we got to lose? All right. First of all, let me see if I can stand up. I can see them, Ted, Ned, Fred, and Jed. Feet that don't hardly work, toes that are missing. I can see one of them stopping, picking up a stick. They may take me out. But before they do, I'm going to get the first one with a roundhouse and a right uppercut. You get them, Ned. God doesn't need much from us. You think you've got to be in some sort of a perfect state for God to save you. You don't realize it. All he's looking for is somebody that'll move on a maybe. It just may be. They get over there. <laughs> come there, you boys. Is he gonna be it? We're not kidding around anymore. Hello? Hello? I don't see nobody. They open up the tent flaps. Domino's Pizza sitting there. 
I mean, they'd eat anything at first. By the time it was over, they were like, I'm not eating that. It's got anchovies on it. You can be so blessed by God, you get picky after a while. Another one's found Kentucky Fried Chicken in the other tent. Food everywhere. Somebody goes up in one tent and says, it must be a general or something. they got robes in here with purple on them. Well, keep looking in that tent. They may have some gold around in there. They're walking all around. They're so fat they can hardly walk. They're moving, stumbling around. They can't believe it. They think it's a dream. The whole army is gone. What happened to the army? Because God saw four lepers say, what do we have to lose? So God gets all of his angels up there in front of microphones and loudspeakers and says, do your feet like that and rustle your wings like that. I'm taking creative license here. I didn't really do this. But there was this noise that came out from heaven. And the Syrians thought that Samaria had hired the Hittites and the Pezzarites and the Russianites and the Iranianites and the Ukraineites. And they had come and surrounded them. And they said, we're in trouble! And they all got up and ran! They didn't take their food with them. They didn't take their cell phones with them. They left everything in the tents and ran for the hills. And God brings a victory from four lepers that moved on a maybe. That's the power of a possibility. It just may be. It just may be. It just may be. Preacher, can you guarantee? I can't guarantee. But here's what I can tell you. It just may be. God will change your life from this moment forward. And you'll never be the same. Mm. And it may be that not only will you have the victory, but the victory is going to spread because those four lepers said, we can't keep this to ourselves. we got to go over there and tell them folks in Samaria, they're starving to death. And they go up there and knock on the gate, and the guy opens the gate, and he little holy goes, what is it, guys? I told you guys, no, you're not allowed. <laughs> what? What do you want? The, the army's over here, they're all gone, and there's lots of food out there. Okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> hey, we're serious this time. Look at these bellies. Pizza. Lots of it. The guards talk among themselves. Should we let the king know? Maybe there's a... They go and tell the king. You know those four lepers? Yeah, whatever. Are they dead yet? No. But they went to the Syrian camp and they said the Syrians aren't there anymore. Yeah, right. What if they're telling the truth, king? What do we have to lose? We're all dying in here. Send the search party out. Because it may just be that these four crazy lepers. I'm going to tell you something. I'm crazy enough to believe, and I know the world thinks we're crazy. 
I'm crazy enough to believe that from East Wind Pentecostal, we can have a revival in Melbourne and Palm Bay and South Brevard that changes this culture. This area doesn't have to be defined by drugs. This area doesn't have to be defined by depression and suicide. There is an army that is in the valley that God said, I will breathe into them. Come on, young people. There's a millennial army that's going to rise in these last days. Stand to your feet. God asks Ezekiel, do you think this army can live? Ezekiel says, thou knowest. (laughs) Ezekiel, just say yes, man. God's not asking you a question because he don't know the answer. He just wants you to say, 